Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, Stephen. My name is Crystal. I'm from Long Beach, California, so uh, pretty close to L.A. Um, I have a really long history with Jurassic Park um, and dinosaurs. And I just heard about the podcast and it blew my mind and it's really warmed my heart. Um, a lot of my love of dinosaurs and specifically Jurassic Park stems from my love of uh, things that we don't really understand, uh, things that, um, you know, we wish we knew more about. Um, having depression and anxiety, um, I always felt like I didn't belong or I always felt like uh, something was always wrong. And it was something about bringing back creatures that um, passed so long ago um, that I just thought was absolutely beautiful. Um, it got me through a lot of childhood trauma. Uh, it really inspired me to study, uh, wildlife conservation, which is what I have studied. And I am currently also studying, uh, criminal justice so I can work as a park ranger and help conserve all the amazing animals that we still have. Um, I currently only have one Jurassic Park tattoo, but, um, I'm hoping to get many more, um, I walked down the aisle to the Jurassic Park theme song. I'm 
absolutely not kidding. Many people can vouch for it. Um, it really helped me and my husband connect. Um, he knows that whenever I'm feeling bad or um, I have a horrible anxiety attack, if he puts it on, uh, he knows that it's going to instantly make me feel better. Um, the biggest couples cosplay we've done is, of course, Alan and Grant and the Velociraptor. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for listening to my story. Thanks for the awesome work you do. Have a good one. Welcome back to See Jurassic Right, a podcast about Jurassic Park and you. I'm your host, Stephen Ray Morris. Today, I, along with Collider's Perry Nemiroff and filmmaker Ash Blodgett, take a look back while looking forward to the fifth entry in the Jurassic franchise, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. While retelling their own Jurassic origins, we reflect on the weight of the original movie's legacy in our hearts and how it informs everything that has come since to today and beyond. I want to thank Crystal for sharing your story at the top of this episode, and it's what makes all this worth it. Plus, we hear many call-ins throughout, including film critic uh, Clayton Fioriti, Carolyn, past guest Chris Bramante, fan favorite listener Maddie, Jurassic Park podcast Brad Jost, Brenna, Jurassic Park podcast Tom Fishenden, Roxanne, Agnieszka, and Aaron. There will also be a special announcement, so hold on to your butts. Now, how did Collider's Perry Nemiroff begin her Jurassic-obsessed journey into the world of film criticism, and how did Ash Blodgett's love of Jurassic Park and dinosaurs inform her view of the world and the animals that live in it? Let's take a listen. I vividly remember seeing Jurassic Park for the very first time growing up in Long Island, New York. I remember the exact theater that I went to. I remember exactly who I was with. It was my parents, my little sister, who was way too young to be seeing the movie at the time, and then my two older cousins. And I'll never forget sitting in that theater. Everything was fine. Everybody was happy. And then the second that the T-Rex broke out of its paddock, my little sister, up, out the door, and for the rest of the movie, I would turn around and I would watch my dad holding her up. I don't think movie theaters even have this anymore. But you remember like the little rectangle windows? Yeah. I would see her her little face just watching little bits of the movie back there. But I will never forget that. And then I, I walked out of that theater obsessed. I think it was one of the first times in my life I walked out of a movie obsessed to the point that I would have gone right back in and watched the whole thing all over again. So did you like dinosaurs as a kid too? I wasn't super into dinosaurs beyond Jurassic Park, but anything that I knew about dinosaurs, for better or worse, I don't know how scientifically accurate every detail of this movie is, but that was my kind of like my gateway to having any interest in dinosaurs. And really, still to this day, most of my interest in 
dinosaurs is tied to that film franchise. I I wasn't really a kid who probably would have been into it otherwise. So sure, you know, that's yeah. part of the reason why I love that movie. And I love movies in general because there's so many things in my life that I never would have tapped into whatsoever if it weren't for a movie that really sucked me in. I mean, your, your, I mean, your Twitter bio says, hold on to your butts. So what is it about Jurassic Park? And you touched into it a little bit, but what is it about Jurassic Park that like, and I'm guessing it's your favorite movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. So like what, what in your words makes it so, you know, magical or, or special? There's a lot of things and there's, there's a lot of qualities that, you know, some, some were truer to me as a young moviegoer. It's changed a little and amplified a little in some senses as I've gotten older. But really, even still to this day, I think some of the things that are most special to me about that movie is that I can watch that movie be so sucked into it and believe every single thing that's happening in it. Those effects hold up so well. It's really movie magic at its best to me. But then as someone who has grown up and become infatuated with behind the scenes movie magic, I can then still get sucked into the story, but also at the same time appreciate all the the ingenuity and incredible achievements that have essentially completely changed the industry and just look at that and say, wow, I love that experience. Wow, thank God for that movie, because look at all the things we've gotten after it. It's so nice when you can be able to appreciate both things where it also, oddly enough, it doesn't take you out of the movie. It's like even nowadays, sometimes when I see a really great movie, sometimes I can't help but to be taken out of it just a little bit because I really appreciate this incredible feat they've achieved. And there's just a very small handful out there where both parts of my brain can be working at the exact same time. And it's that to me is just this overwhelming flood of emotion and just, I mean, the thrill of my obsession with this industry too. So I was a journalism major at NYU and I was specifically going for a broadcast degree. While I was doing that, I wound up getting a job at New York One where I was basically a camera operator. I had this gigantic camera oh, on cool. my shoulder for, for like a year. I, it was it was very like hands-on heavy work. I was walking around with that giant shoulder camera, a huge tripod that, I mean, it had to have weighed like a solid 30, 40 pounds oh, and then a backpack filled with brick batteries. But <laughs> anyway, while I was doing that, that's when I, I kind of got that itch to do reporting by myself somewhere else. And I basically just reached out to a whole bunch of film websites that that I read often and I really admired. And the one that got back to me was Cinema Blend. And that's where I started. And at that point, I was pretty much just writing up DVD press releases where oh, wow. they would send me the press release. And then, you know, I would put it in my own words saying, oh, like blah, 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 movie is coming in on this date. And look at this really cool feature that you'll get. Stuff like that. And then it kind of just grew from there. When I was at New York One, I was working with someone whose husband worked at the show uh, Real Talk. Have you ever heard of Real Talk mm -hmm. with Jeffrey Lyons and Allison yeah, yeah. Bales? Oh, and yeah, yeah. I used to watch it a lot. So finally, when my hours at New York One were up, I jumped ship and I moved from there to, to Real Talk. And Real Talk was like a dream come true because I loved the show. And it turns out that not only did I love the show and was very excited to work with them, but then once I got to work with them, they were some of the best people in the world. Oh, and that's great to I hear. woke up every morning so thrilled to go to work. And it was the most wonderful thing in the world for like four or five months. And then the show was canceled <laughs> and I was crushed. I, I was so devastated by the cancellation of that show. But the silver lining there was if that show hadn't been taken away from 
me at that point in time, I don't know if I ever would have transitioned to reviewing movies for myself. Because when I was there, I was helping to produce the show for, for Jeffrey and Allison, which, which was great and I loved it. But until that show was gone, I never really 100% full force committed to making myself a critic and reporter. Whereas, okay. you know, I was still doing Cinema Blend and some other stuff for fun on the side. But once Real Talk was out of the picture, it was like tunnel vision. That's what I wanted. And that's what I got. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like it gives you that vacuum to like focus on yourself for a little bit. It's like those in-between job opportunities. I feel like you kind of, I don't know, like recontextualize what you want or like it's what true. you need or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to to reassess, to really reassess and dig into where you are at that moment because those are the times where, you know, I mean, for, for a cheesy visual, like doors open that you didn't even realize were there to begin with because you're forced to consider yeah. other options. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first time you covered anything Jurassic Park related? That is a very good question. The first time I covered anything Jurassic Park related. Um... I can't remember specifically Jurassic Park, but I remember the first time a Jurassic Park thing came mm. up in one of my interviews. And it's actually like later into my career. It was when Tintin came out mm -hmm. and I was covering the red carpet for Tintin. And, you know, to, at, at red carpet events, typically what winds up happening is the biggest star of them all will show up last and then. You get like five minutes. And of course, at that point in time, I was like well down the priority list on the red carpet. But on that one, Steven Spielberg wound up showing up first. Oh, wow. And he gave every single person that was standing there on that press line time. And, you know, by the time he got to me, it was like a 15 second interaction. And, <laughs> you know, I couldn't ask. I wasn't going to ask a Tintin question at that point, because really, who who would care? Even though I think that movie is still pretty cool. But when he came up to me. I decided to get a little video of him listening to my phone ringtone at the time, which was, of course, the the iconic T-Rex roar. And I played it for him. And I wait. I was like, do you know what this is? And I played it for him. And he didn't know the first time. And I, I, I think I like my expression dropped or something. And I played it again. And then he got it. And I felt much better. But my my 10 to 15 seconds with Steven Spielberg was playing my phone ringtone for him. That's hilarious. I'll never forget it. Do you remember the first time you saw Jurassic Park? Oh, I'm so heartbroken you're asking me this because I don't. And I, I've i listened to your podcast and heard all these like amazing stories of people who remember. And I'm so sad that I, I don't remember at all. I guess well, then what was the... Yeah, I mean, it's. I also think like a lot of times we're all like wanting to make something like more meaningful at the same time anyway. But yeah. like, I guess at what point, because if... Because am I incorrect in thinking it's like your favorite movie or one it of your is. favorite movies? No, it's definitely my favorite movie. I must have seen it as a kid on TV or like my dad wasn't, you know, he didn't care about like what age I was. So he didn't really restrict my movie viewings. Like, you know, he, he was like, here, this is Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> you know, when I'm like a kid. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure he like showed it to me. Um, cause my dad always had a passion for film. Like he, he loved Star Wars. And so, you know, he, he had me watch Star Wars young as a kid too. Um, which was another influential movie for me. So I'm sure I saw it as a kid. I think I was too young to see it in theaters cause it was what, 1993. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I was like five, so <laughs> I definitely didn't see it in theaters. So I must have seen it on TV at one point, but it's just always been the movie that I come back to time and time again because it's just it's totally my favorite for sure. Yeah, you're like, I actually can't trace a point mm-hmm. to where to before when this movie exists. It's like always yeah. existed. It's just always been in the background for me. I wish that I could, though. I mean, it, it. I think for me, I'm just you just made me realize that like, oh, I've always had a there's always in a weird way. My whole life has been before Jurassic Park and after. Yeah. But so little of it is before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just funny that I even have that. Yeah. Like I've I, always I mean, joked that that's been a barometer to measure things. But that literally like I think in the first episode, I think I was even being like it just felt like this was the first time I even like came into consciousness as like totally a, as a living being. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I just don't know. I don't remember. I don't even really remember ever watching it on like a VHS, but I must have, you know, at some point. It's just been I to be very honest, I have a really bad memory. So. Well, we we have a tendency to alter our memories. Right. And then and then that sort of distorts your reality of what the moment was. But um, yeah, I don't I don't remember that. But listening to the podcast and listening to other people's memories m- made me reflect on why it's so important to me. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun. On no, you. no, that's that's really the that's really the next question. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, perfect. Um, so I I already went and told you this whole story on Facebook, but I printed it out just so I could remember. Oh, my you, God. You can that's cut so all this soon. out. No, no. <laughs> I feel like such a nerd with my little. No, this notes. is amazing. I want to take a picture of it. Yeah. Here with my. With the here, we'll get the dinosaur. Oh yeah, you got to get the dinosaur that matches with your cardigan. I grew up. Uh, um, my mom worked at Marine World Africa USA in Vallejo, California, and for like the first eight years of my life, I went to Marine World every day, and because we had our family had one car, so my dad and I would get in the car earlier in the morning. We lived in Napa, which was like. It was like 20 or 30 minutes away and we drive my mom to Marine World and at the time they had a dinosaur ride and it was so awesome. It was like an indoor ride, sort of like what the Simpsons ride used to be where you're like sitting in this little thing that moves, you know, and you've got the big screen. Um, But while you waited in line, there were animatronic dinosaurs and on top of the whole thing, there was this big t-rex that would like um it would like growl and you could hear it across the park like every every so often it would like go like you know how evocative yeah and so uh we would drive my mom to work and i would like you know i'm just like a little kid but i'm like hi mr (laughs) t-rex like waving to him every day but um so you know i love dinosaurs and i love that ride and but also marine world was really awesome because it was it was, for those who don't know, it was kind of like a hybrid of a theme park and a zoo. It was like sort of like SeaWorld, but they really had a focus on teaching people um, about the wild animals there. And they really put a huge focus in educating people on how like, hey, these are wild animals. They need to be treated with respect um, and, and they shouldn't be pets. And they aren't pets. And they were like really 
heavy handed in a good way of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, of explaining that. And, and I remember there was even like a little safari camp that kids could go to where we would go and we'd get to like interact with animals. Um, but so that was really like ingrained in me. And I sort of grew up in this theme park surrounded by wild animals. And it's like, <laughs> You're it, like that's my dream. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like growing up at Jurassic Park in a way because there were all there was like lions and tigers and cheetahs and elephants and um and in my opinion you know what I really love about the original Jurassic Park is that the moral of the story is is these are wild animals that you can't contain and so I think that really resonated with me because that's what I grew up was sort of drummed in me you know over the years growing up at marine world basically like yeah. growing up in a theme park like i got to go behind the scenes you know in various places and um they even did this crazy thing where they would let us take pictures with the the lions oh, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, tigers yeah. and the wild animals and um and so i have like a picture of me with this tiger that looks like it could just like bite like swallow me whole like i look so small his name was Shere Khan, which I think is pretty great, yeah. you know, if you're going to name a tiger. Um, but, you know, just to even it, it's ironic that they would even let people do that because eventually they opened it up to the public. And of course, you know, one time this lady tripped getting off the photo stage and the instincts of this tiger kicked in and he mauled her. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like, well, duh. Like, that's your whole message is that these are wild animals and you shouldn't treat them like props. And so it's like even then, I think the the message was, you know, still a little muddied, you know. Well, like, but you, you actually lived in Jurassic Park in the sense that like, because I think when you always see that thing where people ask like, would you go to Jurassic Park? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, no, I wouldn't because then it's going to break down and you're going to eat, get eaten. And it's like, well, no. I mean, even in, you know, if you look at like the history of Jurassic World, that park existed for 10 years in universe with nothing going wrong before right. yeah. all this stuff happened in the movie. And it's like, well, you were living Same at a thing. zoo, living yeah. at Marine World, and it was totally fine for all these years. And mm -hmm. then one day something bad happened. So you actually got to live that whole yeah, narrative. Totally. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they stopped doing the photos with the animals after that. They were like, this is obviously a bad idea. Yeah. But it's the same thing where I think maybe as humans, we just, you know, we have a tendency to to ignore that I guess or or a tendency to be like everything here on earth is for me <laughs> yeah so and so it doesn't matter that it's maybe dangerous it's for me why would it why would it hurt me so that's what I really liked about the the story you know the original message of Jurassic Park is like these are wild animals and you know they they can't be contained did we come from and how did we get here? Our involvement, you, me, Perry, Ash, began anew with Jurassic World when the franchise roared back to life in 2015 and its nuanced, remixed reception set the tone for unassuming trepidation mixed with bewildered hope, the current cocktail complementing our nostalgic tendencies.
What did you think of um, Jurassic World? Like, what did you, and also, like, what did you do to, like, because you were obviously a fan of the movies. Did you, like, mm-hmm. do anything special to, like, celebrate it or anything? Or, like, how did you, like, what was your experience, like, seeing that movie and then, like, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I wish I had done something more special. I just kind of went and I saw it in, like, the, like, XD theater. Oh, so, that's cool. it, like, you know, it was, like, the really big screen with, like, the good sound. Um, so that was fun. I wish I had gone and saw it, like, um, What's the theater in LA where they have the props sometimes? Oh, City Walk. City Walk too, but there's Oh, that ArcLight. Other, ArcLight. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. wish I had gone and seen it at ArcLight. But um but yeah, no, I saw it on the the big screen and um and I liked I think there's a lot to like in Jurassic World. Like I liked um I liked seeing the park like actually open and, you know, operating. Well, I was going to say as a fan of, yeah. of you growing up at Marine World, mm-hmm. that yeah. was probably exciting to see like what an actual functioning mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World looks like. And it felt very relatable, you know, like there's the kids digging up the dinosaur bones and stuff like that. And I love I love the little tie in that there's like a Margaritaville. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Oh, I love it. That's so theme parky, you know, that you would have like these restaurants that that are almost theme parks themselves. Yeah. You know, well, it makes sense that at a real Jurassic Park, I mean, the original or the original Jurassic Park was sponsored by Kodak and Coca-Cola. Like, oh, okay. if you look at like. Like I have like a tie-in like brochure, like the brochures oh, that like Grant like gotcha. scatters out of the way to get the flare. Like I have a like a prop of that, Ooh. and it's like here are all the sponsors for the park, and it like would be realistic to like in mm-hmm. 1993, yeah, Coca Cola would sponsor it. Like yeah, that's the reality of a zoo or of like a, a theme park would be totally. have sponsors. So like it makes sense that obviously they would like have a Starbucks and have a Margarita Margaritaville mm-hmm. uh, and like no, I yeah. love that kind of. It's the Michael Crichton thing of like making it feel real. Yeah. Yeah, and I loved I loved that we finally got to see water dinosaurs, you know, like we yeah. haven't really gotten to see many of those before. Um I and again I love the homage, homage, homage. Homage, homage. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the homage. Like there were such great homages to the original film. Like I love that the kids found the old park headquarters yes. and like started the Jeep and all that. That was great. Um but I to me, the I I liked the movie up until the very end where I felt like it sort of loses that thread that resonated with me as a child with Jurassic Park that these are wild animals and that they don't behave like humans and they don't behave how, like how you expect a human to behave. And so I feel like the blue dinosaur is kind of problematic, like the fact that they could be like – I'm. I'm not saying that you couldn't train them. I definitely think you could train them. But the fact that, like, the blue dinosaur comes and saves them at the end, you know, because that's what we as humans would want. You know, that's what you want to happen. But at the end of Jurassic Park, the T-Rex comes out of nowhere and saves them, not because he's, like, trying to protect his friends, because he's hunting for prey. Like, you know, he's doing his instinct, his wild animal instinct. And that's what I think is so perfect and awesome about that ending is, like... The whole time they're running from these wild animals that are trying to kill them, and the 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 perfect cinematic irony that they are then saved by the wild animal doing its instinct yeah. is just so great. So I I felt like 
I feel like the series is kind of moving away from the original message of the films. Yeah. Well, it's, it's to your point, like, yes, we watch these movies for the dinosaurs, but it's like, we don't want them to like be humans. Yes. Yeah. We still want them to be dinosaurs that we can't predict and we don't know what they're going to do. And Mm -hmm. we watch them for almost like the game of Thrones esque nature of them where it's like, we don't know who they're going to kill next. And you know, there's nobody, it doesn't, it's not because this person deserves to be saved or killed. It's exactly, it feels not random, but it just feels like a natural cause of events Mm -hmm. versus like, yeah. And I think with Jurassic world, like you just had me thinking now that like, there is all this element of like Claire sort of baits the T-Rex baits Rexy to come out Mm -hmm. and then you could kind of draw the conclusion that oh well she sees this Indominus Rex she's like well I'm the baddest bitch on the block so I got to take care of business but it's they don't necessarily verbalize any of that and then once Blue jumps in as well it's like well now you're getting two animals teaming up and like Mm -hmm. maybe you can make a case that they sense that this weird Frankenstein creature shouldn't exist. And so it's like, yeah, again, you could almost make a case of like, and then the Mosasaur comes out. It's like all the real dinosaurs are like, this thing's fake. Like it it can't, (laughs) it can't live in this world. Like, you know, almost like if two, like, you know, if like your future self and your past self came into contact, the universe would implode. It's like all these dinosaurs are like, wait, if this Frankenstein creature exists, like it, like, puts the like balance of our universe at stake or whatever but like mm-hmm. obviously none of this is verbalized so it's yeah. like you really are just seeing like a like a, a Godzilla situation mm-hmm. yeah and, and I you know I'm even okay with like the T-Rex fighting it because you know that that kind of makes sense like maybe it's protecting its turf it's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is my turf but like why would this tiny little raptor attack like such <laughs> you know like it just wouldn't it wouldn't do that Yeah, you know it's it's uh, and I, I guess you could make a case that over time you could domesticate them because, you know, yeah, we've done that with so many. We wild have, animals. Yeah, we have I have a dog sitting right under me that used to be a wolf. Like, yeah, yeah. Hundreds of years ago. Um, but I just think the time jump in the domestication, you know, it's that's too quick for for that sort of behavior. Um, well, yeah. You know. And and I think. In Fallen Kingdom, I think they're actually going to go back and almost try and justify it more. Mm. So just based on what I've seen so far of like that, there's going to be a flashback scene to like Blue and and Owen, like when Blue is born. Oh, okay. Almost to be like, yeah, there's a reason why Blue is so So adamant and like willing to jump on the back of like two giant, Mm -hmm. two giant predators and like dunk on them, you know, like or at least dunk on the Indominus Rex. Yeah. Yeah, Although I, I do want to see a raptor just like, like slam dunk a basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there what they did do that in the Gatorade commercial. Oh no. Do you remember that Gatorade commercial? No, I don't. Like the oh. there's always there's a gif around online of a raptor like like biting out of a Gatorade bottle. It's oh, from that it's from that commercial. Okay. It's from like a nineties. That is commercial. so 90s yeah. to do that. Velociraptors playing basketball is probably the nindiest thing. That you could ever. possibly uh just throw Bugs Bunny in there too or whatever. It's like the sequel to Space Jam or Hell something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Space Jam um, versus the dinosaurs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think I think overall I thought it was pretty pretty great. Um you know, it 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 has its problems, but again, like at the end of the day, like you're coming to see CG dinosaurs, you know, like I hope they never stop making movies with CG <laughs> dinosaurs. Like when it comes to Jurassic World, 
I had really high expectations going in where I had hoped for something that put me back on that same level as the original. And I know it's a, you know, we're talking about my favorite movie of all time. It's a very, very tall order. I think it could have gone a little darker. And I do wish that it had that quality of, oh, I'm looking at a dinosaur that I feel like I can reach out and touch. Mm -hmm. And I think the overuse of digital effects kind of stripped that movie of that. But really, as a lover of the original film, there's you can't avoid the emotion that comes with seeing John Hammond's original vision actually up and operational and then getting torn down. Yeah. <laughs> so I really enjoy Jurassic World. But if someone came up to me and said, oh, well, is it as good as the original? Of course not. But still, yeah. it, it would have been almost an impossible achievement in my mind. And I had a lot of fun with what I wound up getting. OK, I wanted to take a moment to make a special announcement. Tomorrow, after this episode is posted, I will be headed out to London to see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Words cannot describe how excited I am to get to see it during its UK release. I've got lots of fun stuff planned for my trip this week. I think some people will just be proud I'm taking a vacation, even if it is cheating a little. <laughs> and so, before the spell of anticipation is broken, let's see not only how Perry and Ash are feeling as film critic and filmmaker respectively, but also how my friends, listeners, and colleagues are feeling as well. Leaning over the ledge, ready to make that leap into Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and a new chapter in their Jurassic story. Hey, Stephen, this is Clayton Fioriti. Uh, what I'm most excited to see in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is just how much they dive into Crichton's material. I know that they've used dialogue for Malcolm and that that came straight out of the first book, but I just, I want to see how much is actually going to translate over into the movie. I know we're going off to the island. I know we're going to see the T-Rex roar at the lion and all that stuff, but I have high confidence in it. I just want to see a movie that is super Crichton-esque. And uh, that, that's, that's all I'm really, really wanting to see. All the other things I had on my wish list have been ticked off. I just, I really want to see a, a Crichton Jurassic film in the most purest sense of the word. And yeah, that's about it. Hi, Stephen. This is Caroline. I am really excited about A, welcoming Jeff Goldblum back to the series. That's always, um, always a plus. And then also, I'm really excited to see dinosaurs take the city again because I think I kind of have an unpopular opinion and that um, the one where the dinosaurs went to San Francisco in the 90s was one of my least favorite of these movies. So I'm really excited to see them come back. And I really like the scary scene where the dinosaur is on top of a building in the pouring rain. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I'm really just excited to see the dinos in the city. So, yeah. Super pumped. Hello, Stephen. How are you? This is Chris Bramante. I am calling to say what I'm excited for about Jurassic World. What I'm excited for about Jurassic World is mostly the Malcolm scenes. Um, after the weekend and being in Jurassic Park celebration, I think that what I would really, really hope from Jurassic World is to not feel the need to completely separate itself from the 
classic films and to do everything they can to really tie into them. And I think that the first Jurassic World did that a bit with them discovering the old visitor's center. Um, I would adore them to even more sink their teeth in that and make that a part of it. That being said, I do love that the latest advertisements are saying that this has the most dinosaurs yet. And I like that. I like that they are going to just be filling this thing in every inch of the screen with new dinos. Um, and that this one will probably feel the most like a group of people entered into a wild environment, whereas The Lost World had that idea, but then we weren't necessarily... We weren't really in a environment that felt like it was fully reclaimed by dinosaurs because we were mostly in their labs and stuff, so I'm really hoping that that's what this feels like. Anyway, I will talk to you again later. Hi, Steven. It's Maddie, chronic participator. I'm just checking in with my take on this month's questions. Um, so basically, the difference for me in terms of hype and excitement is that it's been so much more positive on the micro level or personal level, I guess. Um, I went to Jurassic World with my now ex-boyfriend who basically just shit on the film before, during, and after we saw it. So the whole experience was kind of a bummer, to be honest. Um, the moral of the story there is don't date people who try to make you feel bad about the things you enjoy, which is common sense, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm a pretty secure person, at least where my interests are concerned, so he could not bring me down. Um, what I really wanted to say was that your podcast and the Facebook group has made my Fallen Kingdom experience so much more positive already. It's been so nice to listen to the episodes and participate in the group and just share in the genuine excitement with some like-minded folks this time around. Um, so this time I've recruited my cousin's boyfriend to go with me to Fallen Kingdom. He's my regular movie franchise viewing pal for things like Star Wars, Star Trek, MCU, etc. Um, he doesn't love Jurassic Park as much as I do, but he's got his own nerd vices, so he'll, he totally gets it and will be supportive. Um, so yeah, I can't really say there's anything super specific I'm looking forward to in Fallen Kingdom other than what appears to be a ridiculous amount of dinos. Which is totally a non-answer, and I apologize for that. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go in with an open mind and clear eyes and a full heart. And I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts and feelings about it when it comes out. And um, again, thanks for everything you do with this podcast. Okay, bye. Hey, Stephen, it's Brad Jost. Uh, I just wanted to leave you some thoughts on what I'm most looking forward to uh, with Fallen Kingdom. I think it really has to be... Uh, Blue's journey um, in this film because obviously we see her um, I guess in some sort of flashbacks or something at a very very young age um, it looks like we're getting a big journey here because later on in the trailers and whatnot we see so much insanity with Blue and her story and what she's going through this is going to be crazy I'm nervous, I'm scared I'm also excited um, so I think I'm most looking forward to seeing what Blue goes through in this movie. So uh, thanks very much for uh, putting me on here today. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Steven. 
my name is Brenna, and I'm calling to answer your questions from the last episode. And I just wanted to say that I love this podcast so much. I'm so thankful that you created it so that we have a place to love Jurassic Park together, I guess, everyone. I've never met anyone in my real life that loves Jurassic Park the way that I do. So it's really cool to hear so many people's stories about how it's impacted their lives and uh, their first experiences with it just to not feel so alone. So thank you for that. And to answer your questions, the first one, uh, I believe, is what are you most excited about for Fallen Kingdom? And 100% absolutely cannot wait to see Rexy again. She's my favorite. Uh, I have a picture of her as the lost screen on my phone. And I'm uh, just really excited to see what kind of a role she's going to have in Fallen Kingdom uh, and to hear her roar again because that is honestly one of my very favorite sounds in the whole world. Every time I hear it, I honestly just get chills and it makes me cry a lot. So um, I'm super excited to see her and I'm also really excited that um, Claire and Owen are going on a rescue mission. Um, they care enough about the dinosaurs to go back and try and save them. Um, I relate to that a lot and feel like that's what I would want to do if I were in that situation. Anyways, I will try and finish up really quick. I was just saying that I think I'm more excited because um, I'm actually watching the trailers and listening to this podcast and being more actively involved in the lead up to the release of Fallen Kingdom than I was with Jurassic World. I was super excited for Jurassic World because I loved all of the rest of the franchise and grew up on it and you know, it was a huge part of my life, so I was, of course, super excited when uh, Jurassic World came out, but I honestly don't remember if I watched any trailers or even talked about it with anyone, so um, the fact that I know there's so many other people out there who are just actively excited and preparing for it makes me not feel alone and makes me feel a lot more excited, so definitely more excited this time around. Um, I might go see it by myself because I don't really have anyone here who cares about it that much, so um, I'm not even, like, sad about it. I'm just so excited to see it. Uh, so, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you doing anything for like the release of Fallen Kingdom? Like, have you thought about like how you're going to see it or anything like that? Or oh, I well, I've thought about the fact that I should go see it in the movie theater, which is doesn't sound like a big thing but for me it's pretty big because i'm so busy that i hardly ever get to see stuff in the theater nowadays yeah um but i think it's actually thanks to you that it's like even on my radar (laughs) well i'm glad that makes me happy yeah because you post about it and i'm like oh fuck that's that's coming up like i should really go see that in the theater because especially with films and stuff like that nowadays like it's so when it's something like that that i care about that I don't want spoilers for. Like, it's really important to me to go see it in the theater. Yeah. Because people are just garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Spoil it online. So it's definitely one that I'm like, okay, I really need to go see it in the theater. I feel better and better every day we get closer <laughs> to actually seeing it. When one of those, fir- I think it was the very first trailer where the focus was on the volcano. I was very turned off by that <laughs> idea. And when I expressed that, a lot of book readers were like, how could you be turned off? It's part of the book. It's part of the book. It was never, ever for a hot second mentioned in any of the movies. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm watching that. And, you know, I just told you my problem with uh, Jurassic World where it was like a CG popcorn blockbuster fest. And that kind of took away from from the realism of the mm-hmm. original to me. And then all of a sudden I'm watching, you know, Chris Pratt run away from an exploding volcano with dinosaurs <laughs> all around him. Then all of a sudden we started to get promo material that I think digs into the meat of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that intrigues me because I was telling you before, I'm a huge J.A. Bayona fan. I mean, between, you know, the stuff he accomplishes in The Impossible, for example. And really, when, you, when uh, I think about a monster calls and how he blends the digital elements of that movie and the realism of what's really going on in that family's lives, that's kind of what I see in the second half. And I I do understand because some have pointed out, oh, auctioning off dinosaurs, that's ridiculous. But there's something about the way that it's been presented in the trailers where it does tap into one of the ideas that I've covered that was that was pitched as being the heart of this movie or, or one of the core pieces of this movie, which is, you know, the idea of animal rights and how creating these these new breeds of dinosaur is going to be implemented in that with potentially the militaristic element of the first Jurassic World. I see that all kind of coming to a head in that auction mansion mm-hmm. scene. And then, of course, you have some of the more horrific visuals. I mean, real like horror-inspired stuff yeah. where where you have uh, the, the Indoraptor yeah. sitting on the roof with the moon behind it and re- crawling into the bedroom scene and, the, cr- and the, the claw like creeping closer to that young girl. That, to <laughs> me speaks to my horror sensibilities and that was always something that the original Jurassic Park had so yeah the more I see the more I'm I'm getting into it and having more faith that I might have started with are you somebody that's like digging for all the information before the movie comes out or are you just like let me just experience the thing in the moment yeah I don't think I don't dig for too much information but I do love trailers um and I think that that was kind of like a 
being a film school kid who like went to film school, you know, I knew kids who would go see a movie just to see the trailer for another movie that played in front of it, you know? Hell yeah. So I love trailers sometimes. All about that Phantom Menace trailer in front <laughs> of like Last Starfighter or like Galaxy Quest or something. Yeah, totally. Uh, but sometimes, um, sometimes I'll watch a trailer and if I feel like the trailers, because nowadays it seems like trailers give away so much. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll watch a trailer and if it starts to feel like it's giving away too much, I'll stop because I'll be like, okay, this is exciting. I like this, but I want to go in, you know, not knowing anymore. But for Jurassic World, um, and Fallen Kingdom, I've, I think I've watched, you know, all, all the trailers and really enjoyed them, you know, and I don't feel like they give too much away, which is refreshing. Yeah. You know, cause normally, and it makes sense from an editing perspective that you want your trailer, (laughs) that you want your trailer to, um, be a little mini story. But so often I just feel like once I see, and maybe it's because I am a filmmaker, but once I see a trailer, it's like, well, I just saw the whole film, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't feel like this one's giving away too much. I like I like what they've sort of done with it. It's it's enough. Yeah, and it feels to you like they're not giving away too much. Yeah, but I get the gist of the plot. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the plot makes sense. You know, I was thinking about it earlier. I don't know why, but um, I was thinking about how the whole plot of like we've made another crazy hybrid dinosaur it makes sense to me it's like the next evolution you know of course they did it in Jurassic World but like going back to the Star Wars connection like the the this restart of the new Star Wars series Force Awakens so many people were upset that they were like making another Death Star. And I'm just to me, it makes sense because here you have this corporation that has invested so much time, energy and money into this technology, just like in Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, that they're not going to let go of that and they're going to keep rebuilding it. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah, so I really like, like that. To me, like all this criticism for for making another Death Star or like making a hybrid dinosaur. Like it just makes sense to me. Like that's from a corporation's perspective, they're going to keep trying to improve that tech, you know, and yeah, and they're not yeah. going to throw away all this money they spent on it just because one of them broke. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think of it like that. And, yeah. and, but even more to that point, it's like, when did humans ever, stop after the first try yeah you know our 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 can-do spirit in the in the face of failure it's like we could fail a million times and we'll still try again yeah it sort of goes back to that whole thing of like as humans we're trying to control everything Mm -hmm. and i think we think that we can and it's like even when we fail we're like no no no. this next time it'll it'll work yeah (laughs) i mean hammond says in the first movie the next time it'll be flawless yeah yeah you're right so there you go at least with the this new Jurassic Park movies, I'm, I usually don't really go in with high expectations because I think you can't even really come close to the first film. Like the only time I would put such a high expectation like that up would be if they said, Hey, Spielberg is making this movie. And then I'd be like, Oh, okay. Well, this like suddenly ups the ante, you know? Um, well, yeah, like you said, Jeff Goldblum coming back is, is like a, is a mm-hmm. new, 
hot, like a watermark of approval that is a step above already. That's true. Totally. That is like a, okay, there's one more element from the original cocktail that's back into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be amazing if they could even get Sam Neill back in it. Like, wouldn't it be fun if that was like a surprise? That they kept under wraps. That'd be pretty awesome. See, now I'm yeah. setting expectations. Yeah, no, that again, won't happen. Yes, yeah, so having like <laughs> Sam Neill and Laura Dern come back would be amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was done in an interesting way. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's those things that, at least on some level, make you feel like the possibility for it to be as good as the original. Yeah. Could be. But yeah, yeah, I could see that. But I, yeah, but like you're like we're saying, it's like we already can't fool ourselves into thinking it'll be as good as the original. But yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, at the end of the day, again, it's like, well, if they have CG dinosaurs, it's still going to be fun, you know, to see. Um, I I think I go in with low expectations, but if they if they do like more fun homages, you know, and and having Jeff Goldblum, then I think it could be a recipe for something good i'm curious to see like what are they building up to and i think this movie will really be the movie that we'll we'll start to see where this the three movie story arc is going yeah which will be interesting yeah so yeah i'm almost curious to see what elements from the first movie they're gonna like call Mm, back to and mm -hmm. because already we've seen like you see the mosasaur in the one trailer like in the ocean or whatever, or like mm-hmm. them saying that they need to, they need blue for some reason, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. We were like, oh, like I wonder what are the important elements. It's like when we saw the Last Jedi, and then you see like what elements from Force Awakens were like important to the next story. Right. It's almost yeah. like okay, well, well, this movie is going to retroactively like change how we look at Jurassic World in maybe yeah. a positive way. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually at the time the Jurassic World came out, I was pretty hard on it, I think, just because like I was so disappointed in them, like I said, sort of betraying what I thought the whole originals were about. Yeah. So I'm I I feel, I guess, an internal conflict of like, yeah, I want another Jurassic Park movie and I should be happy that there's another movie where I get to see cool dinosaurs. But there's also this other part of me that's like, they're gonna, they're gonna fuck it up. You know, like I'm really worried that they're gonna continue down this path of, of the dinosaur having human esque emotions, you know? Hello, Owen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> start talking. Like, I'm worried. My name's Blue. <laughs> I love you, Owen. You're my only friend. It, you like, know, like knits him a heart or something. Oh, <laughs> or like that no, should be pretty. Cute. I think what would be really cute is if like, oh my god, this would be such a funny like you know like cats will like kill mice and like leave. It oh at yeah, like if Blue like kills a human and leaves it in yeah. Owen's bed. Like, look, I brought you a present. Oh my god, it's like one of the children. Yeah, oh, <laughs> just no. took this down a dark path. That sounds like a <laughs> robot just got, chicken sketch. Yeah, for- <laughs> they just got Ty Simpkins back just for this one scene. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm like, and I think that's like the pessimistic filmmaker in me because, you know, once you learn the magic of how things are made, you start to critique it more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm worried that, that it won't, you know, live up and be that great. But there's, again, there's elements in there that make me hopeful, like, you know, like uh, Jeff Goldblum and and the trailer looks like they're going back towards the 
the whole thing of like, oh, these are scary animals. So that excites me. But yeah, I I wish I could say I had higher expectations. But at the same time, I think maybe that's good because then I'll go in and, and it can surprise me if it's, you know, if it's good, then awesome. It exceeded my expectations. If it's just okay, then I got to see CG dinosaurs and I'm still happy, you know? <laughs> and that they, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you already posted it. But that the fact that they're using real puppets again really excites me as well. Like that element was another element that like I think I think there's definitely things that are combining to make me more excited about this movie than I was about Jurassic World. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's the nature of being human. That's that's why I think there's value to having so many critics out there. That's why yeah. I love film criticism, too, because. That's really one of the most interesting things about making a movie and having people react to it in so many different ways. Yeah, a filmmaker might go in with certain intentions that is conveyed clearly and effectively enough that everybody could pick up on it. But I've had so many conversations about various movies where something strikes a chord with a certain individual because they are aware of what happened behind the scenes. They're not aware because they grew up a certain way, because they are of a certain race or have a certain background. It's just the possibilities are endless in that respect. So I do kind of appreciate the fact that I got for Solo in particular, I've spoken to people who are very aware of what's going on and those who are not. And it's interesting. I don't think there's a correlation one way sure. or the other, but it's just nice to see people's uh, different interpretations on stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. It's just, yeah, because it's like we only have our experience. So it's like to just hear somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because I don't even feel like I've talked to anybody. I realize maybe I've never talked to anybody like over 30, maybe over 40 on this podcast so far. Because I feel like I'd like to get somebody's opinion about Jurassic Park who is like, other than I guess my like mom and dad. But yeah. like, uh, but yeah, to get somebody's like interpretation who was like in their 20s when Jurassic Park came out. I was definitely in that sweet spot as a kid where where the awe and the magic of it really just like took over my life for a while and that's another reason why i really appreciate jurassic park it's it's movies like like jurassic park and also scream as a big horror lover those have clearly defined my taste in movies i mean i'm open to all movies i see absolutely everything i'll never say no to something <laughs> But there's definitely something about those two movies in particular that I think kind of put my preferences on a certain course. Oh, nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Expectations are tough. Yeah. Because I, I do make the biggest effort possible to go into every single movie with an open mind because it... As much as I feel like I'm allowed to have hopes and expectations just as anybody is, I would never want... I would never want it to come down to... I wanted that movie to explore A, but it explored B, so screw it, I'm out. That That's not what expectations should be, but if, if I have certain expectations and then you surprise me by doing something different, hopefully for the better, I need to be open-minded to that because that, that's not fair otherwise. And, yeah. th and that's, that's I think, when expectations could kind of taint your experience with really any movie out yeah. there. I mean, if if you were only in line with what you wanted in every movie, I, I would like to think that the large, I, and I, I mean to use the word like, I would like to think that the large majority of movies out there would wind up disappointing you because if you could predict every single thing that's going to happen in a movie, that sounds like a really boring industry to me.
Hi Stephen, it's me, Tom, back here. I hope you're doing really well. Um, I think with this coming film in Fallen Kingdom, for me personally, I'm really, really excited to see Nubar get the farewell that it deserves. Now that sounds very sad to start out with. I know obviously a lot of us don't want to say goodbye to Nublar. We've got really, really good memories with this island. But unfortunately it is inevitable and it is happening now. Mount Saibo looks to be erupting. So I guess I'm excited because I know that Colin Trevorrow is a fan of this franchise. He's been with it from day one watching it as a fan like us. So he knows the value of Isla Nublar. J.A. Bayona knows the value of Isla Nublar and what it means to fans. So I think that we're going to see a send-off which is very, very just for this island and which captures how beautiful and majestic it is and how symbolic it is that Nublar is going to be no more. I mean, Isla Nublar back in the 90s, it has started off many obsessions with dinosaurs, paleontology, so much revolutionary cutting-edge filmmaking came from this one setting in a fictional island in Costa Rica. And now, coming back to Jurassic World, it's done the same for a whole new generation. So I think this island is very symbolic, it's very special in cinema, and it has a lot of weight to it. So I think destroying it isn't an easy task, it is definitely a difficult one, but I think that it's necessary for the franchise to move forward. So I am very excited to see how they do it because I have absolutely every faith that Isla Nublar is going to go out in style. We're going to get to see a lot of this island in the first sequences in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and that gives me faith that this island will get the farewell that it deserves. It does feel like this new one is, is going back to more of the original roots which is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll just say that I think the, since I got to see the opening of the movie. Oh yeah. I honestly, so like I'm hesitant to be hyperbole about it, but I might even like, I'm hesitant to say that it's better than anything in Jurassic world, but like, Part of my gut wants to say that it is better Ooh. than anything in Jurassic World. Well, that's exciting. Like, there is a lot I love about Jurassic World, but like, there was just something so exciting about that scene mm. that, and there's so many elements of it that like harken back to the original, but not in a way that it's like copying anything. It, the move, the this whole scene itself has nothing to do with like, it's not an homage to Jurassic Park. It's not like. Mm -hmm. It's not like a variation on an original, like on a scene from the original, mm -hmm. but it just has a couple of elements from the original taking place at night, like mm -hmm. in the rain, um, kind of like a less is more approach with like showing the dinosaurs in that yeah. scene. It's those kind of like filmmaker techniques. It's almost like doing filmmaker techniques that harken back to the original, mm -hmm. but none of the content itself feels like it's a literal redundant of the original. Yeah, I mean that's that's the challenge that this industry industry poses and you know you you bring up solo it's almost this impossibly steep hill to climb where you know I I do understand from a business perspective that when you have a hit success like a Jurassic Park you want to keep making more but it's 
it's almost this impossible challenge to just keep the bar that high yeah. and satisfy everybody, especially when you have something that's attached to any sort of lore where the second you do something later on, it then could change what happened before. And I experienced that in a very negative way with Independence Day Resurgence, where I think that was one of the first bad sequels to a movie that I really loved that I couldn't compartmentalize it and not view Independence Day the original anymore without thinking about what happened in that new movie. I think I'm getting far enough away from it that I'm starting to like shed what happened in that movie a little where it's not always on my mind but when it was fresh on my brain and I went <laughs> back and watched Independence Day it bothered me. Really? It did I, I bother me. I haven't seen the resurgence. Keep, keep it that yeah. way. <laughs> Don't do it. Growing up in Marine World was amazing and it's actually the um they they even had a, a like a little area at the end of the ride. So you get out of the you walk through the animatronics, you know, to wait in line for the ride. You get in the ride and you do this awesome dinosaur ride. I think you were even like supposed to be in a Jeep going around. Oh wow. You know, like it was very sort of Jurassic Parky esque. Uh, yeah. yeah, like uh, similar but legally distinct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just enough different that they wouldn't get in trouble. And then you came out and you came out into this area where they had um this sand pit where you could like dig up dinosaur bones and like dust them off just like a paleontologist just like in jurassic world that's yeah. in jurassic world oh yeah 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 and um so that was like so fun as a kid you know i just love that but but the other cool thing about it is that that i didn't fully realize until years later when i was watching the jurassic park behind the scenes is that marine world because it's in the bay area and uh lucas Skywalker Ranch was just like, you know, on the other side of the bay. They actually came to Marine World and like recorded the various wild animals that I grew up with and used them as the sounds in the movie. And so if you watch like I have like the special edition collector's edition with the behind the scenes. And if you watch the behind the scenes, you can see clips of Marine World. And I was just like watching it just recently. Like, yeah. I think just like a year ago. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Marine World. I grew up there. Like, I rode that elephant. I, I've been there. I've seen that tiger. Yeah. And it's so it's all sort of like thanks to your your podcast. It made me like sort of come to this whole realization like that that that's always been this weird tie of my life like it all tied together in the end with this like little weird bow hey Steven this is Roxanne yeah so I'm calling in I'm not quite up on all of the episodes but I don't really have a lot of people to talk about Jurassic Park with so it's kind of weird to call and I feel awkward but I know that I shouldn't um so I don't know when I saw Jurassic Park for the first time but I remember after I saw it it's all that I wanted to watch and it got to the point where my parents called me T-Rock or Tyrannosaurus Rock but T-Rock for short for the most part. And then um, I would do like my raptor impressions when I'd run through the house. And then I also did a Dilophosaurus impression um, anytime that I would open an umbrella. So that is the kind of child that I was, which I was completely okay with. Um, up until about the eighth grade, I wanted to be a paleontologist. And growing up in Philadelphia, I didn't go to a lot of theme parks. I live in Orlando now, but I 
which is why that gets brought up because I see kids going to theme parks all the time. And I didn't do that when I was younger. I had a membership to uh, the Academy of Natural Sciences and I would go with my great aunt and we would call them my dinosaurs. It's like, uh, can we go see my dinosaurs? They were my dinosaurs. And I, I remember there being a nest in the one exhibit and I would just sit in it and I would pretend to be a baby dinosaur. Um, my love for Jurassic Park and dinosaurs still is as heavy as it was back then. I am getting married in October and my fiance and I, who are both pretty nerdy, have decided to get married at a science center and our cocktail hour will be underneath of the dinosaurs. So the big T-Rex that's in there, we are able to put a banner in its mouth, and I have convinced my fiancé to design one with me that says, love uh, finds a way. So I'm super excited about that, and I'll also be walking down the aisle to the Jurassic Park theme song, um, an instrumental version of it. I wish that I could tell you everything. Hi, Steven. My name is Agnieszka. Uh, I wanted to thank you so much for everything that you do. I just started listening to the podcast. Um, my parents actually uh, came up with the idea to rewatch all of the Jurassic Park movies now um, before the new one comes out. And so I wanted to share my story. Um, I came here as an immigrant from Poland in 1992. So I was really young, and um, my mom told me that Jurassic Park was actually the first film that she saw in America in the movies. Um, I, of course, couldn't go. I was too little, but I started watching them um, in the mid to late 90s, and there's a specific memory that my mom and I have where we both got the chicken pox, <laughs> um, so we were home for a couple days at a time, and we just watched Jurassic Park pretty much nonstop, just day after day, you know, and that became sort of our sick movie, you know, like when you're at home with the flu or a cold, popping Jurassic Park, you know, it takes you to another world. Um, so now that I'm older, you know, I'm 27, I'm actually a preschool teacher, so dinosaurs come up in my uh, life and work every single day. Um, just naming off some of the dinosaurs is really fun for two and three year olds, you know, to get their speech going, articulation. Of course, uh, children at that age love looking at dinosaurs, reading books about dinosaurs. So I almost feel like, you know, Miss Frizzle. I get to live out my own, um, you know, dinosaur fantasy life as a preschool teacher. And the other element, uh, I wanted to bring up is, you know, as an immigrant, from Eastern Europe, there wasn't a lot of access for me and my family at that time in the 90s for American pop culture, you know, like we didn't understand Seinfeld, we didn't understand Friends, you know, there was too many cultural references. So something like Jurassic Park, you know, it kind of crosses all cultures, um, you know, the idea of dinosaurs and nature and science. Um, it just really drew me in, and I think that's one thing that, you know, my parents and I bonded over. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of that. Also, I'm from Chicago. I heard you shout out Chicago a few times. Um, come back anytime. And, yeah, thanks again for everything that you do. Um, bye. Hi, Steven. My name's Erin. I'm from Michigan. Um, I wanted to share kind of my, like, excitement around Fallen Kingdom. Um, so I just had a baby three months ago 
and um, so I haven't haven't really been paying all that much attention, not as much as I you know used to because it's pretty time consuming. But um, in the last like couple weeks, like he's been napping, so I've been able to like kind of catch up. And I just went back to work, and I've been just binging all the podcast episodes that I missed. Um, and I'm just getting really hyped and excited. And I realized looking uh, through Target the other day how many how many clothes they have for both little boys and little girls. Like as a former little girl who was obsessed with Jurassic Park, like the clothes that they have would have been just so cool. And um, I am just really excited. My son will be uh, like three or four when when uh, the third movie comes out. He'll be a little young, but I saw Jurassic Park at three, and it it didn't scare me. It probably should have, um, but I'm just really excited to you know show him these movies and especially have one come out. And if, even if he can't watch it, like, he'll be able, he'll be right at a good age to get those toys when they come out. Um, but as far as Fallen Kingdom specifically, um, I am so excited to see, uh, kind of revisit the whole, like, dinosaur in your bedroom thing. Because as a kid, and even now as an adult, I, like, sometimes I'll, like, fall asleep and, like, imagine a T-Rex just, like, peeking at my window. Just because I think it's cool. Like, it's, uh, I just, I like that adrenaline, like scary kind of feeling where you're just kind of like on your toes and um, I'm just excited I, I am when I see the trailers and I'm just really excited to kind of see that enacted on screen to have one in your bedroom and that kind of thing so thanks This has been episode 13 of See Jurassic Right. My guests on this week's episode and future episodes were Perry Nemiroff. You can follow her on Twitter at P. Nemiroff. Ash Blodgett. You can follow her at Ash's Stash. With, again, voicemail contributions from Crystal, Clayton Fioriti, Carolyn, Chris Bramante, Maddie, Brad Jost, Brenna, Tom Fishenden, Roxanne, Agnieszka, and Aaron. Thank you, everyone, for your support, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. While episode 14 drops one month from today, be on the lookout for a mini-sode dropping next Tuesday, more likely Thursday. I'll be playing voicemails and reading emails sent in from listeners like you. Also be on the lookout for future mini-sodes and special segments as well. And special stuff during the summer. Yeah, it's Jurassic June. Uh, and now you can support See Jurassic Right on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Right and check out the See Jurassic Right Facebook group by searching See Jurassic Right Podcast on Facebook. Also, if you live in Los Angeles... I will be doing a live SJR um, at Idle Hour. It's a great bar. Um, it's going to be June 22nd. Starts at 7 p.m. Although, come early for the drink specials. There'll be prizes, trivia, photo booth, all kinds of good stuff. Um, again, it's at Idle Hour. And if you check social, you'll see the invite. And yeah, it's going to be a really, really fun time celebrating uh, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, I have two questions for you. If you want to tweet at me, call in, or leave a voicemail before next month's show, these questions are, how did you celebrate the release of Fallen Kingdom? And of course, what did you think of the film? Mm-hmm.
65 million years of waiting Well, oh yeah Well, all right Well, oh yeah Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Right on Instagram, See Jurassic Right on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicright at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.